0: Our Gospel reading this morning comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. One day while Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting near. They had come from every village, of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd and in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questionings, he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and walk? But so that they may know who the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately he stood up before them, took what he had been lying on, and went to his home glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen strange things today. And this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, we are in week two of our stewardship season in our sermon series called Faithfully Together. When we usually think of stewardship, I think our minds jump to finances, because that is certainly one way we can and should give back to God, but we're called to be good stewards of more than just our finances. In this series, we're looking at the five vows one makes when joining the United Methodist Church, but these are generally five vows that are good for all people, not just in this specific denomination. And so those vows are that we will faithfully uphold the church with our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. And so in this way, we are able to give back to God who has given so much to us. So today we are going to focus on what it means to vow our presence here in the church. When we make this vow that we will faithfully uphold the church with our presence, we are promising God and our fellow believers that we will not just talk the talk, but we'll walk the walk. We're going to be present in worship. We will be present for Bible study, for discipleship. We will be here and model the importance of presence. Honestly, to me, this seems like possibly the easiest vow we make, because when we say we'll be present, we don't say we're always going to like it or that we're always going to be excited about it. We just promise to be here, to physically show up, And what's amazing about that is that it actually does something when we continue to show up week after week. And in this way, we honor God who continues to show up in our lives all the time, regardless of what we've got going on. So I want to invite you to shut your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to go back to your childhood home and picture those people who were present with you. Perhaps it was your parents your grandparents, a pet, maybe some siblings. I want you to picture those people who read to you at night. Who prepared meals for you? Who did you snuggle with on the couch? Who do you picture in that childhood home? And then if you grew up in church, I want you to let your mind drift there too. Who was there? Who taught you Sunday school? Who shared a pew with your family? Who handed out the bulletins? Whose presence made an impact on your life? Feel free to open your eyes now. I know for me, when I let my mind drift back to my home and to my home church, it reminds me that presence is powerful. And it's not always that I remember what those people said or what they did for me, but I remember that they were always there. And that truly goes a long way. In this year of 2020, we have had to adapt and adjust our lives because being physically together has not always been safe or even possible. And we've experienced a collective grief about this. We miss being able to be together in this space, to hug, to pass the peace, to shake hands, to not be afraid when someone has to cough or sneeze. It's hard to be present while also practicing social distancing. But we've learned through this season that we, when being together physically is not possible, there are ways that we can be present in new ways. And I recognize that presence on Zoom and on phone calls is not the same as being together face to face in the same room with someone else. But I do believe that these technologies have the power to bind us together until we can rejoin physically to be present together in the church. But this season has shown us more than ever the importance of presence and how much we've missed it when we haven't had as much of it in our lives. So how can we adapt and commit to being present however we can as we look forward to 2021? Well, for this, we're going to think again back to our Gospel text from this morning. This is an incredible story of faith and adaptability when seeking the presence of God. Luke tells us that people had begun hearing about the healing powers of Jesus, and they had traveled from all around Israel, from every village in Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, And people were curious or desperate enough to walk from wherever they lived to get to the physical presence of Jesus. Because they believed that in order to be healed by this man, they needed to be close. They needed to be very close. So when they heard that Jesus was teaching in this house one day, the crowds just flocked to him. So much so that people were spilling to the outside of the house and all of the entrances to the house blocked. So we read about these four men who walked from we don't even know where carrying their friend who was paralyzed on his bed. So I imagine each one had a corner of the bed with the man in the middle. And we don't know much about the man's condition, we don't know much about these friends, but we do know that these friends were determined to get their friend healed, to get him into the healing presence of Jesus. So when they arrive and they see that there are some hurdles, there are some challenges that they're going to face if they're going to get through to Jesus, what do they do? They adapt. It's kind of like the children's book, Going on a Bear Hunt. These friends were so determined to get their friends into the presence of Jesus that they forged their own path. When they come upon the crowds, I imagine them saying, well, we can't go through them. We can't go under them. We probably can't go around them, so let's go over on top and into the middle of them. That's what they did. They climb onto the roof, remove the tiles, and lower him, bed and all, into the middle of the crowds at the feet of Jesus. These friends show us how to adapt, how to get creative, and change when presence is necessary but hard to attain. They show us how to remain focused and steadfast in the face of trials and hurdles. These friends knew that that presence with Jesus was important. So after they lower him into the middle of the crowds and the chaos, how does Jesus respond? In verse 20, he says, When he saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Did you catch that? It's kind of strange. When Jesus saw the faith of the four friends, not necessarily the man on the bed, Jesus forgave the paralyzed man and he, his sins were forgiven. And ultimately later in this story, we know he is healed. He's able to pick up his mat and to go back home. But it wasn't because of his faith that he was healed. It was because of the faith of his friends. So this brings up an important question Is it possible to have faith on behalf of someone else in your community? Is it possible to have faith on behalf of a friend or family member, someone that you love? Often we consider faith to be a deeply personal thing, just between you and God. And it's kind of no one else is really involved in that relationship. But Jesus seems to say in this passage that it is possible. He blesses these friends and says, because of you, because of your faith, because of your actions, because of your persistence. I'm going to heal your friend. So we have to ask, is it possible? Well, this makes me think about my experiences running with my best friend, Bree. We began running together while at Huntington College in the prime of our health. We loved running, we were in great shape. And because of that, we could talk the entire time we would run. We would catch up, you know, talk about what was going on that weekend. It was great fun and it was also socialization at the exact same time. Well now, fast forward eight years later, we live in the same town again, but we're not quite in the prime of our health like we were when we were 18. (laughs) So we've picked back up our running together, but it's not quite as easy to talk the entire time like it was eight years ago. So what I've noticed on our runs now is that, without fail, one of us will begin to feel really tired and weak. And the other person takes on the role of encourager and just says, you can do it. We've come this far. Come on, just one more mile. And then somehow in an unspoken way, the tables may turn. And perhaps the person who felt strong a moment ago will begin to feel weak. And they'll say, oh man, yeah, I'm ready to stop now. Let's go ahead and walk like you wanted to a minute ago. And all of a sudden, the person who felt weak before suddenly feels a strength. And in, again, in this unspoken way that really is hard to explain, at the end of each run, we think or verbalize to one another, I couldn't have done it without you. Being present with each other in the midst of a good run, it actually does something. And our faith and encouragement in each other in that run, it actually helps us keep our feet moving. It helps us have momentum. And I can't explain it, but it does something hearing that she has faith in me or that I have faith in her. Or consider baptisms. In this church, we baptized a two-year-old girl named Julia just a couple weeks ago. And other than smiling and being physically present in that baptism, she didn't really do anything. She didn't make a vow to resist evil. She didn't make a vow to resist oppression and injustice. She didn't make a vow to come to church and to live a holy life. So who made those vows for her? How is this baptism possible? It's possible because her mother, Paige, she vowed to raise Julia up, to teach her about God and to make sure Julia is raised in a way that she one day can choose God as she has been chosen. In this way, Paige is having faith for Julia until Julia can have faith for herself. Having faith on behalf of someone else is not always so explicit or so complicated, you know? I I really think it happens each week here at Ashland Place. At any given service, there are those people that feel really strong in their faith. They feel really connected to God. They really feel like they're on the right path in their lives, that they and God are just, they're one team, they're on the same page. And within the same service, there are people whose faith feels really weak or aloof or like a distant friend. And that's just the reality is that when we come together as a body of Christ, we're not always on the exact same page. And yet people from all ends of the spectrum on their faith journey come together and we pray the Lord's Prayer, which Sterling talked about last week. We pray the affirmation of faith, the Apostles' Creed. And there's no way for Sterling or I or anyone else to know who it is in the congregation who's feeling extremely weak today or extremely strong today. But we know that there's a power in us coming together, being present with one another, and communally affirming our faith. Because even if you come one day and you feel spiritually or emotionally removed from the service, one of those days where you're just coming because you said you should... Your community of faith steps in and supports you, and they have faith in you and for you until you're strong enough again to say it for other people. And this is why presence is so important. Just as the friends in our story, the faith community reveals its sustaining power by supporting people when they're unable to support themselves. So we've been given this example of the importance of presence through the story of these friends who did what it took to get their friends not only to the house, but inside the house to the presence of Jesus. But we also have the example in Christ's incarnation in the first place. We read from the beginning of Genesis that God has been with humanity. God created humans and all of creations and covered them with love and grace. But at some point, after sin and evil had entered into the world, God knew that humanity needed a divine presence here with them, in the flesh, present with them, a direct contact. So enter Jesus. Jesus embodied the the importance of presence in his time on earth. And he did this in a fleshly human body because there's something really special, really tangible about being together physically. He had a ministry of presence with all kinds of people and continued to be present with people until his final moments on the cross. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave the disciples the Great Commission and told them to go out into the world, to baptize, to teach, and to remember that he was still with them always. Presence with our community of faith is powerful. It transcends what we can see and say within just one worship service. It is a way that we love one another and show each other that the body of Christ is still active and present and living and breathing in the world today. COVID-19 has certainly provided challenges for this presence with one another but I want you to consider how you have adapted, just like the friends in this story. We now have a consistent virtual presence, and many of you who have been a part of Ashland Place for your whole lives have been able to worship from the comfort of your home, knowing that you are safe, there are no germs getting, getting around in your home, but also this virtual presence has helped us reach beyond just the insular nature of the church services before. Of course we were open to all people, but having it in this virtual form, this virtual platform, makes it possible for people to visit and kind of see what Ashland Place is all about. It's really, really powerful, and that's a way that we are being present with each other and present with people who might be looking for a faith community. We began meeting on Zoom. Who even knew about Zoom before all of this? But now our children's Sunday school meets on Zoom, adult Bible studies. We have council meetings on Zoom. We have finance meetings on Zoom. Real things have taken place on Zoom. And again, I would just be the first person to say it's not the same, but it has helped us be able to maintain ministry, continue being present, even in a strange way. We've sent more cards than we did before. We have called more people. We've done drive-up communion services. We have baptized We have confirmed, we have blessed animals, we have made s'mores. We have done so many things during this time when we're not able to be together physically in the exact same way we were before. And I promise you that all of those things, it may be out of our norm. And of course, we've had to adapt and change. But these things have been real. God has been present within these things. The Holy Spirit has been with us. And I think we found that virtual presence is better than no presence at all. Perhaps in a weird way, this time will help us refocus our attention to see what God's vision is for Ashland Place as we move forward into a time when we can recongregate together. And so, as church and school and work in the rest of the world, begin to reopen slowly for in-person interactions. I urge you not to casually just jump back into everything you were doing before because you are so desperate for a sense of normalcy. I would invite you to prayerfully consider where and how God is calling you and your family to be present in 2021. As we enter this new year, it's kind of like a new start we have coming up in just two short months, I invite us to renew again our vow to be present with this church community. And when we come to worship, when we hear scripture, when we're in discipleship, when we pray together and recite creeds, we are taking part in the greatest story that's ever been told, that's still being told. But we have to be here if we want to be a part of that story. So instead of, you know, making excuses or talking about how it would be so much easier to come to church if, or, you know, whatever else, we're people that are great at making excuses. Let us consider how we can adapt, how we can be creative, because it's so important to be constantly in pursuit of God's presence. Vowing to be present in the church and with this community of faith, it always requires adapting to changing situations. And remember that being present here is not only about you, it's also about your faith and the faith of the community of faith here, your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you feel especially strong in your faith and you think, I don't need to go to church, I've got a good thing going on, please come anyway because I promise you there's someone here that needs to see your witness. They need to know your story about your relationship with God. They need to be in the presence of God and you. And if on the other end of the spectrum, you're feeling kind of weak and disconnected from God and thinking, I don't know, I don't really, really wanna go there. I promise you something incredible will happen if you allow yourself to come and just be present as the creeds are said, as the songs are sung, as the prayers are prayed. We are strengthened by each other's presence, even if it has to be virtually for right now. Just know today that your presence here matters. May we all renew our vows to be present here with each other as we approach this new year. In the name of God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.